0: Welcome to Woody Online. Uh, My name's Stuart. I'm one of the leaders at Woody. We have, over the last 13 weeks, studied the book of Amos, and as has often been remarked by those who've been sharing, it can be a difficult read. Amos brought a tough word to the people of Israel. As an eldership, we've sought to do our best with the aid of some helpful commentaries to explain and unpack the book. Because of the language on first read, the passages are not always immediately clear, so the whole style has been quite teachy. Hopefully you've learned something and will have a much better handle on the book of Amos from here onwards. Last week, Martin looked at the last part of chapter 9, the hope of restoration. And after a lot of judgments and warnings of the punishments that were to come, it was a bit of light relief. To conclude the series today, I'm just going to share some of my reflections on the whole series, some of the key points that have stood out to me from the various messages. So it's not going to be quite as teachy, but hopefully we'll draw the threads together and focus in on some of the practical actions for us in our context. So what are my big takeaways from the book of Amos? Well, I'm going to pick up on, I guess, three themes, but they're very closely related. The first one is the consequences of drift. What has been clear from Amos's words to Israel? is the impact of drifting away. Drifting away from true worship. Drifting away from what God has said. We've heard about how King Jeroboam, who led the breakaway of the ten northern tribes, and set up some pretty dubious practices in terms of worship and religion. But Amos was then speaking 150 years on from that. What has happened is that things continued to drift with no course correction. Something happened that led them to step off the narrow path that Jesus taught us in Matthew 7. And things just continued to diverge and became normalised through the generations. They ended up with a set of worship and religious traditions That were about pleasing themselves and were not about worship of Yahweh. Instead of the word of God being their plumb line, it was much more driven by society and self. So we, and I mean as that us as individuals, but also as a church at large, rather than Woody specifically, are clearly in a position where we can very easily be influenced by a society that is not being actively shaped by the Word of God. We can end up interpreting Scripture through society's eyes and the political discourse of the day. I can see evidence of that from those on both the left and the right of the political spectrum, seeking to use parts of Scripture, sometimes out of context, to justify their cause. Personally I don't believe the Bible and the teachings of Jesus fits with any single political party's position but the real challenge for us is not to let society and politics shape how we read the Bible that gives society primacy we need to let reading the Bible help shape our politics and most importantly we need to ensure it is the word of God that shapes our worship and practice. As Justin shared a few weeks ago, this failure to walk in line with the God's word led to a famine of hearing from God. We do not want that to befall us. Now, I don't want it to become something oppressive about doctrinal purity and judgmentalism of each other but it's about checking and course correcting, ensuring we're staying on the narrow path as individuals and corporately. And that flows from ensuring we know God's word. We hear what he is saying and we're accountable to one another. As well as the consequences of drift, the second point or big theme for me is the centrality of justice. And compassion for the poor. Amos called the Israelites out for their fake and futile worship. Maybe they were having a great time but they were totally off script. We've seen account after account of how the poor and those without power in their society were mistreated. And it was a rebuke that acting justly and compassionately needs to be at the heart of a worship-filled life. Worship or religion without justice at its heart and compassion for the poor, reminded me of the famous passage in 1 Corinthians about love. It says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal, and it goes on, in that vein. And I don't want to stretch the metaphor or be accused of heresy, but it's almost as if thinking you have some kind of pure and true worship, but do not live out justice and compassion. You are also a clanging symbol. As we know, it's about living our lives in response to the love and sacrifice Jesus has made for us. That love that is talked about in Corinthians is agape love. It's not romantic love. It's not just a feeling. It's not even brotherly love, but a costly love, a self-sacrificial love, an active love. One thing from the series that really jumped out at me was the Martin Luther King quote that Marv shared It was a clear reminder that living out justice and compassion is proactive, not passive. And there was a real challenge, certainly to me and perhaps to you. That line that he mentioned came from Martin Luther King Jr's um, letter from a Birmingham jail in 1963. And as Martin said, he wasn't writing to the white supremacists or the racists of the day, but the white moderate who was more devoted to order than to justice. To the silent majority, and we can probably include ourselves in that very often, that is a hard word. This was another quote that Martin shared from the commentator on Martin Luther King. King suggests that the church can be a thermostat rather than a thermometer, a challenge to the status quo rather than its mere indicator. For the plumb line does not impartially note injustice like the sun which illuminates the evil and the good alike or the rains which rain on the righteous and the unrighteous but rather the plumb line stands as an upright measure marking that which must be torn down and rebuilt from scratch that which can't be fixed, that which is beyond mere reform. And I would go even further and say, yes, it is about calling it out. That is the role of the church, but it's also about demonstrating practically a different way. The third point, is the course or the path to restoration. Last week when Marv read the final few verses of the book of Amos, something leapt out for me. Perhaps it was hearing someone else read it out loud. There was the line about rebuilding ruined cities. Immediately it reminded me of the passage in Isaiah 58 that has been something of a watchword for Woody for the last 10 or so years. I'm gonna read most of that chapter now. This is Isaiah 58 from verse one to verse 12. Shout it aloud, do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion and to the house of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways, as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? Can you see the similarity with Amos? They think they're doing the right religious acts, but God is rebuking them. And he goes on, Yet on the day of your fasting you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarrelling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. If this, the kind of fast I have chosen, only a day for a man, is this the kind of fast I have chosen, only a day for a man to humble himself? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying on sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? This idea that you can go on treating and exploiting the poor unfairly, then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, Then your light will rise in the darkness, and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land, and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins." and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. To me, that chapter feels almost like the whole book of Amos in a microcosm. The first time that that passage, I guess, really got engraved in my mind or my heart was in 2013. We had a guy called Jamie Fileman, who works for Tier Fund, came to speak at Woody. We'd just done something called Love Running. A whole group of us from the church had run or trained and run the 10K in Cardiff. And we raised money for the poor, the oppressed, and the needy. And we supported causes in Uganda, in India, and here in our own city of Cardiff. And when we had a celebration service to mark the achievements of that, we invited Jamie because Tearfund was one of the charities we supported. And he preached from that very passage And it really struck me at the time and it stayed with me ever since. That line, is this not the kind of fasting? That the idea of true worship and religion is not spending five minutes or a day fasting, but it's to spend yourself for the poor, to seek justice, It's not some short, sharp kind of process where we do something and then God comes to meet us. But he wants us to get down and dirty with the poor and the oppressed. Then a few years later, when Chris Collins, our pastor who retired last year, came with the same passage, And rather it being about fundraising and supporting people across the world, it was much more about how are we going to restore the community around the church in Cates. And now we see the same messages coming through in Amos, that true worship that is focused on God's word is about serving the poor. And it's that, staying true to that, that will lead to seeing the ruined cities rebuilt. And I think we can interpret that rebuilding and restoration to be of a physical place, but also of society and of relationships. And there's a clear challenge for us, not just the Israelites 2,800 years ago, but a challenge to our society's view of religion a challenge to our view of worship, a challenge to not just be a bystander, a challenge to continually check ourselves against the plumb line to stay on the narrow path, a challenge to be active in living out justice and compassion for the poor day after day after day. And we can look around at our society and see brokenness without needing to look hard at all. We can see financial poverty. We can see social poverty. We can see spiritual poverty. We can look at our politicians and I expect some of us feel some level of despair. I follow politics pretty closely. I honestly think I follow it too closely most of the time, my wife certainly does. And there's been a lot of politics about over the last five or so years in this country. And there's a lot going on right at the moment. And for the most part, it seems to be entirely missing the point of the huge challenges that are coming down the tracks rapidly in this country and across the globe. What Amos, And what Isaiah and what Jesus Jesus points us to is the real path to restoration of our society is not in politics, it's in Jesus. We have a message of hope that can transform situations, transform lives, but it needs to be lived out. As we look forward over the next six to 12 months, there's going to be another great need for the church to step up in this country. If any of you follow the news or even follow your bank balance, you will know that we have a cost of living crisis in this country, which is expected to get worse and worse over the coming months. People have already had to make choices between heating their homes and feeding their families. Over the coming weeks, the prices of food and energy are expected to continue to rise. I'm not going to get into what the politicians could or should do about it. They will have their own thoughts. But what I do want to focus on is what we can do about it. As a church, I believe we need to be ready to put our money and our time where our mouth is. We have a warm building, we have a kitchen, we have people. And this is not something that we've discussed widely as leaders, but I can see a situation where we should be opening our building to provide a place of warmth and a meal. Doing this as an act of worship, if that's something that you would be interested in getting involved in, Please let me or one of the other elders know. So as a way to finish, oddly, I want to briefly mention why we studied this book in the first place. As elders, when we reach the end of a series, we spend some time praying and seeking God for what he might be prompting us to study. As we were coming to the end of our series, on Acts, we felt we should be looking at something in the Old Testament, and Amos was one of the books that we were considering. And as we were preparing to meet to agree which of the options, I then saw a message from Carl Beach on social media. I've mentioned him before. He is the guy who heads up CVM, which run the gathering, which some of the guys went to a few weeks ago. He also leads something called Edge Ministries, which is pioneering into deprived parts of our country, planting churches and doing something quite radically different. And some of what the changes we've been through at Woody reflect a bit of that. I believe he's something of a prophet for the church in our time and certainly into where we're at at Woody. And he shared a sense of the books of Acts and Amos being for the church at this time. And as we discussed this as elders, we felt it was confirmation that we should move from that study in Acts to look at Amos. And I want to read that social media post from Carl Beach. A dream, headline, the church is being sifted we will see a new powerful and radical convergence of worship, intercession, and mission. Those that know me well will also know that I'm not given to what I'm about to share on a regular basis, unless I'm particularly gripped by it. Last night, I have a, had a vivid dream that I was about to preach. I announced that people should put a marker in their Bibles in Amos 9 and other passages I can't remember specifics other than the book of Acts. A lady called out asking me to repeat myself because she couldn't understand the word Amos. This happened multiple multiple times. I was being extremely clear, but she couldn't understand me. In the end, I had to spell it out loudly, A-M-O-S 9. For this reason, it stuck in my mind. I woke up deciding to forget it. If it was the Lord, I would remember. I got up this morning with it all at the front of my mind. I'm pondering it. I haven't studied Amos for some time, but what is immediately clear to me after a chat with Karen, that's his wife, and a ponder. This is not a time to have idols or false gods, or to place your hope in anything other than Christ. The tree is being shaken. God is sifting the church. See Amos 9 verse 8. There will be a faithful remnant. We will see robust communities emerge of 24 seven mission, prayer, worship. David's tent restored. 21st century monasticism. See Amos 9 verse 11. I've been talking about holiness a lot lately. This is a time to be sober-minded and alert, whatever that means for you. This is a time to check yourself. Is your life bearing fruit? Are you truly following Christ? Amos 9 verse 4 says, I will keep my eye on them for harm and not for good. It's a shocking verse for the church in our culture, but it's a warning. Whilst restoration will happen, and God is gracious and kind, he is also a God of judgment. Do not place yourself outside of his rescue plan. You cannot rely on your own strength and intellect. We all need a rescuer. Again, are your feet on the rock of Christ? Are you truly placing your faith, hope, life and trust in him? The chapter ends with a beautiful account of restoration, but the warnings are there. The chapter also talks about restoring David's tent, a place of constant worship and prayer. I believe God is calling us to converge mission and worship. In fact, part of my strategy with Edge Ministries and of many others is to create communities that do just that. We will see the emergence of new communities that have an almost new monastic approach to mission, serving and worship. I'll ponder more, but I'll finish by saying again. (coughs) Put your faith in Christ. Make a level path for your feet. Get on the narrow path. Stop faffing about. Seek good, not evil, that you may live, and the Lord, the God of armies, will be with you. Amos 5:14. Now I'd forgotten most of the detail of that vision that was shared until I checked it out as part of my preparation for this message. I'd already written pretty much the rest of this sermon. And so I was really encouraged with how well it fits together. So as we come to the end of this series, let's not park it in the bank of knowledge gained. As I said at the beginning, hopefully you've learned something that will help you to approach this book differently and with deeper understanding from now on, but let's put it into action. That means checking ourselves individually and corporately. Is our worship Are our religious practices aligned to the plumb line of God's word or has there been drift? Maybe drift that has taken place over many years or generations that has led to practices that are not so much about what God is seeking as we are seeking. Are we putting ourselves in a place where we can hear from God, not just for five minutes a week, but seriously? and it means making sure justice and compassion are part of our active choices. That might mean speaking out when it would be more convenient and comfortable to keep quiet. It might mean choosing not to buy from certain brands where we know people are exploited either in the UK or abroad. It might mean looking at how we use our money in other ways, much we keep for ourselves and how much we give. It might mean ensuring the decisions we take in our workplace are ethical. It might mean giving some of our time to help others and in so doing living a life of practical worship and helping to bring about restoration. Let's pray. Father we thank you for your word We thank you that Amos was willing to go out of his comfort zone and stand up and speak your truth 2,800 years ago to the Israelites. And we pray that the lessons we've taken from those words all these years later will be put into action that you will continue to stir our hearts, that we will check with ourselves, with those close to us, to make sure that we are walking in line with your word, that we're in a place to hear from you. But also, that what we're doing is living that out practically. And that we're doing that in a way that is bringing about justice, that is serving the poor and the oppressed. And that we're doing that day in, day out. And this word in the book of Amos might have seemed heavy and judgmental, but it was because you had a better way and you wanted to see restoration. You wanted to see cities rebuilt, communities restored, (coughs) lives that maybe seem like they're in tatters and ruins, restored and rebuilt. And we know that Jesus is the path to that. So would you help us to live that out, to demonstrate that in our communities, in our society? And as we head into what might be a tricky six, 12 months or more in this country, would you help us as Woody, but the church at large in this country to step up and to make a difference in people's lives, practically and spiritually. In Jesus' name, amen. So thank you for uh, joining us, whether you've been watching or listening. Uh, We hope that you've got something out of this series. If you want to know more or talk about anything that's been shared today or over recent weeks, the details will come up In a moment, we would love to hear from you. And we're gonna be heading into a new series shortly. So join us uh, next time. Thank you.